This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, I am joined by online coach, speaker, and blogger, Zach Matthews. Zach is a 2015 Trine University graduate and worked in professional hockey and football before his career transition into a writer. He believes that with the right self-discipline model in place, a person can achieve any professional or personal goal they desire. In today's episode, we discuss the role that mentors play in your professional development and competitive traits in successful people. You can follow Zach on his blog, www.zachmatthewswriting.com, and on his Instagram, at Zach Matthews Writing. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, one of the goals of the Center for Sports Studies podcast is not to only bring in people from, from different areas of the sporting world for, for students and for listeners to kind of find out what opportunities are available in sport. And certainly our guest today has experience and, and I'm really excited to talk with him, um, especially since he's one of our Triangle alumni. But one of the other things that we wanna do, um, especially for students, is talk about how can we do things to prepare you or how can we mentally prepare you for your professional career. You're gonna have four years here at Trine or any undergrad institution if you're listening to this podcast from another school to prepare you for the next 60 in your career. And we're really excited to talk with Trine alumni, Zach Matthews. Uh, Zach Matthews, he's an author, an online coach, speaker, and blogger. He's passionate about helping others achieve their dreams through successful and constructive self-discipline. He's a 2015 Trine University grad from sport management, and he just released a book. Uh, it's available on Amazon, Climbing Your Self-Discipline Tree. And I'm going to let Zach talk more about that book here in a minute. But without any further ado, Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, bud. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And, and we're always excited to have Trine University alumni on here um, on the show, especially people who are doing some really interesting and, and really cool things. And that's certainly true with you, with, with your book that you just released. And we're going to get to it. Before we get to that, though, I do want to talk about, because you do have a background working in sport, um, you've, you've traveled in different areas of the country, which I think is going to be really interesting to talk about. So kind of take us back. You graduated from Trine in 2015, and then uh, you got your start with the Arizona Coyotes, I think, and then you yep. kind of went east from there, and, and tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, so, uh, so I'll start back um, when I was still in Trine, if you don't mind. Yep. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I think I got to a point, um, and, you know, before we started recording, you, you talked about, you know, a lot of students who, you know, they, they know they want to work in sports, but they don't really know what that looks like. Um, that was me. Uh, you know, I, I went three and a half years in trying cause I was a transfer student and, you know, I knew I wanted to work in sports and I even knew that I wanted to work in like a, a front office capacity, but beyond that, I had no idea what that looked like, you know, and. Um, so that last semester, you know, fast forward to the last semester at Trine and still didn't know what that looked like, you know, and, uh, really challenged myself to, to just throw as many darts at the dartboard as I possibly could. Um, I didn't really have any connections to, to the sports industry at the time. Um, so it was just about getting my name out and just seeing if anyone would give me a shot, you know, and, um, so that's kind of how I landed the Coyotes position. Uh, you know, there was a, 
there was a, men- a couple of mentors there that were just willing to take a shot on me. And um, the position itself was, uh, it was called what, what they call an inside sales representative role, which is basically uh, a part-time ticket sales position. It's kind of like a prove it role, you know, uh, the, the way an athlete would like sign a one-year contract to try and prove themselves and get a bigger five-year contract. Um, so that, that was kind of what brought me to Arizona. And, um, I, you know, I, I love my, my time there. Um, you know, I met some great people. Um, the sales staff there was uh, pretty influential in the way I, I kind of built my sales pitch and everything. Um, and I still hang out with a lot of those guys and, and talk to a lot of those guys and gals today. Um, but the sales staff itself, you know, it, it was kind of like a, you know, like I said, a prove-it role, but you're really trying to compete for the full-time spot and they only have, you know, those are only, there's only so many of those available. And, and at the time, um, they were loaded with, you know, sales, all-stars, like no one was going anywhere. Everybody was already there for like two, three years, had established themselves, had, fiancés, wives, husbands, you know, like they weren't going anywhere. So um, I looked at other opportunities, you know, and uh, my wife, um, my wife and I got married, who's, she's actually a, a Trine alum as well. We, uh, we got married and, and we started looking at more like full-time opportunities for me and to be a little closer to family as well. So uh, there was a position with um, an indoor lacrosse team called the Georgia Swarm, who were willing to take a chance on me and give me my first like full account executive, um, opportunity. Um, I was there for about six months and I I love that as well. You know, I played lacrosse at Trine, so uh, that was a natural fit. It was something I was really passionate about. You know, they were giving me a lot of like sales initiatives. Um, like they, they let me run like boy scout night, which is, you know, a big group sales ticket initiative. Um, I, uh, they had a, a, a youth, uh, program, the, the Georgia swarm did, and, uh, you know, I was in charge of kind of running that and helping with the sales aspect of that as well, uh, which is really cool. And obviously something I'm super passionate about as well. Um, a little bit of coaching came into play there too. So it was, it was a really cool opportunity. Um, but after about six, seven months, um, this is kind of where the, the small sports industry, as you know, pod, you know, it mm-hmm. kind of comes into play. Uh, my mentor with the Arizona Coyotes, he actually, um, was really, really close with a man, a sales manager over at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, uh, that guy, you know, we, we kind of touched base and, um, that just, you know, the, the bucks came, came calling, you know, and, uh, so I, uh, you know, the opportunity to work with, with an NFL franchise and with a guy who, you know, shared the same mentor was, um, a little too good to pass up. So I ended up taking that position and, um it was kind of a really cool well not kind of it was a really cool role um that I was in with the Bucks they you know as as people know they're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers well Tampa Bay isn't just the city of Tampa you know Tampa Bay is Orlando that's um Sarasota Bradenton you know um Riverview all, all those encompassing cities around Tampa so the Bucks to try and drive more ticket sales they had a really cool initiative where they had two branch offices one in orlando and one in sarasota my, my job was with in the sarasota office and uh it was it was really cool because it's it was it was a sales role right i was an account executive just like the other places all the only the only people in the office were a sales manager and his account executives so um it was just a really cool opportunity to 
get out more into the, the community and, and really be the face of the franchise more so than a, an account executive typically would. Um, you know, Sarasota residents, if they were thinking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were thinking of Zach Matthews. They were thinking of Dave, Dave Lutweiler. They were think, thinking of Chris Spano, you know, Katie Weiler, all these guys and gals that they work closely with. You know, we, we had a whole thing where we had like a, a bus program where we would bus those Sarasota residents up to a game and back down, um, you know, but I had like full menu sales as well, which, you know, means like season tickets, group sales, you know, um, uh, suites, you know, premium seating, everything. Whereas, you know, if, if I had worked in, in the Tampa office, you know, you're, you're kind of in a niche role where you can, you're focusing on group sales or you're focusing on season tickets, you know, does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's kind of what I do with the bucks. And uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I did that for about three years and then uh, uh, just kind of came to a point where my manager was um, kind of challenging me. He said, you know, you're at this point in your career where, you know, you can either um, pursue a, a sales manager role in the sports industry, or you can kind of look to pursue one of your other passions, you know, um, if you don't feel like a manager role is what you want to end up doing. And um that took me a couple months, you know, he, he said that to me, uh, during the last season I was there. And then even into the off season, you know, I was still kind of thinking about what he said. And, um, I, I ultimately, I think always came back to like content writing and, and writing and, you know, just kind of, um, how, how, you know, my sales background and my, my passion for writing could kind of, you know, turn into one job. Um, and that, you know, I did a lot of research and that, that ended up taking form of like, um, what's called SEO content writing, um, which essentially all that is, is, you know, a company, you know, when they want to have their website show up on the top Google search results, they'll actually bring in like a, a writer or a team of writers or a website developer to kind of alter the content on their website to hit keywords and stuff. I won't bore you with the specifics. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, that was a role that I was interested in. So I just kind of, uh, you know, while I was still working with the bucks, I kind of did the, the content writing as a side gig just to see if, you know, if I like it, if there was a market for it, if anybody would take a chance on, you know, on a guy that really hadn't done it to that point. And it actually got to a position where, um, I could take it as full time as a full-time role if I wanted to. And so, uh, I ended up deciding to, to, you know, quit my job with the Bucks, which that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And um, just pursue this content role full time. You know, I didn't know what that would take me to. Um, you know, I, I had no idea what what the future kind of was, what was in store for me in the future. But I knew that if I was going to really gain the experience that I wanted and really like pursue this thing, I, I had to make it my full time gig. So that's where I am today. And we're certainly going to talk about some of the writing that you're doing and especially the book, because I really want to get into that and some of the useful things that I think anybody listening to this podcast, whether you're a student, you want to work in sport or you're just working anywhere in your career, there is a lot of useful stuff in this book. Oh, yeah. but one thing I did want to talk about that I certainly don't want to gloss over is you talked about having a mentor and mm -hmm. your mentor or, or other people that at least you respected kind of guiding you, you know, as you go from Arizona to, to Atlanta 
Atlanta and then to Tampa Bay. So how important do you think it is for people, especially young professionals starting out, whether it's in sport or any other industry, to have that person to go to, to give them some good advice that, you know, it's advice that's for their good, you know, not for self-interest of the mentor, but for the right. actual interest of the mentee. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's so important. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, it's, I, I talk about it in my book. There's a whole chapter, um, you know, focused on accountability, which I consider, you know, good, strong mentors are, are keeping you accountable. They're not just, you know, going, yeah, Zach, you can do it. You know, you got that. No, they're, they're holding you accountable as well. You know, they're, they're uh, keeping you honest at times, you know, when, and uh, it, what we call tough, tough love, you know, they're giving you a lot of tough love, you know? So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's extremely important. Um, I would even challenge, you know, students now, I mean, you know, find mentors. Now you don't have to wait until you get into the sports industry to find mentors. You know, one of my greatest mentors is Bill Maddock, who, you know, was my counselor at Trine. You know, I still talk to the guy almost, you know, every week, you know, we're always keeping, keep in touch. Um, so, and, and he's, you know, like I said, tough love, you know, he's, he's always kind of uh, pushing me and, and, and stuff like that. So he, he was always good for that. Um, as far as the, the sports industry itself, you know, it, it shocks people a lot of time. It, it, it shocked me, you know, how small it really is. You know, the, uh, for, for the example that I use, you know, where this, this guy at the Buccaneers who ended up being my sales manager, you know, he had the same mentor as me, you know, from a guy in Arizona. So, um, you know, you, you never know what can happen, but you really have to, um, you really have to like, believe you have to find someone that you can believe that you believe in and someone that believes in you you know you you can't just um go up to a guy and say well you're my manager you're my mentor now no it's 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 much more than that it's it's very personable it's it's um you know you, you kind of have to share some some interests and um they have to have a firm understanding of where where you're ultimately wanting to go you know i, I really feel like that's what builds the connection um and then once they understand who you are, what you bring to the table and what your long-term goals, you know, eventually are, that's when they can really start to like, you know, groom you and, 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 and show you things that they've learned along the way. I mean, these, these guys and girls, you know, they're, they've been through what you've, what you've been through, you know, why wouldn't you connect to, to someone and learn, you know, maybe avoid some of the failures they had, maybe learn, you know, what it is that got them to the position they're in, especially if that's a position you want to be in one day. Right. I mean, why wouldn't you, you know, pick their brain and, and take as much advice as they can give you? Yeah, absolutely. And it, the mentors that you had, were they people that um, were your managers or overseeing you or were these people that you sought out? And, and maybe a follow-up question of that, is there a good way for kind of young professionals or students to find a mentor? Yeah. Um, so the, the mentors I have, you know, they were, um, I mean, I, I certainly sought them out, but they were also, you know, people I worked closely with, you know, Bill Maddock was my counselor. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Morander, he's, uh, he was the VP of sales at the Arizona Coyotes when I was there. Um, you know, well, he was also the one that hired me and gave me my first shot that, that tends to make you like a guy, you know, <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, one of my, but then, you know, one of my mentors at the bucks, he was my sales manager, you know, and, and, 
Um, he's a close friend. He's not just a mentor, but you know, if he gives me any, any advice in my career, I'm, I'm certainly going to listen. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and as far as the students finding mentors, you know, it's, it's all about finding someone that you trust, you know, don't just, don't just look for a mentor because you're impressed by their job title or, you know, they work for the, you know, your favorite baseball team that you had growing up, you know, um, find people that you actually connect with, you know, build a, build a, a personal connection with them, build a friendship with them, because that's going to, that's going to boost the trust even more. And, and you're going to find that, you know, a lot of the mentors that you have, a lot of your best ones, you, you didn't even intend for them to become mentors. So be intentional about just, I, I guess, just be intentional about growing relationships. Don't, don't put people in a box. Like, don't think that, oh, well, this guy is, you know, the 50 year old VP of sales, he has to be a mentor of mine. No, he can be a friend, you know, Oh, this, this, this girl is a, a 30 year old up and coming, you know, manager. So she can be my friend. No, she may be your mentor, you know? So uh, just don't put me in a box, just be intentional about creating relationships with people. And, um, and I think that's going to, you're naturally going to find people that you can flock to for mentorship. And so you make the tr uh, transition then. So you're working in, in sport with the Bucks, and then we want to get into content writing. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got a blog, ZachMatthewsWriting.com, and yep. you're putting out content there. And I know you're working for some other companies and putting some content uh, together for them. And then this book deal comes around. And I want to read a little bit about the uh, Climbing Your Self-Discipline Tree. It's, again, it's available on Amazon. But just um, to kind of preface it for our audience, in this motivatingly entertaining book, Zach Matthews gives you uh, or guides you through three different phases of successful self-discipline, preparation, production, and persistence to help you achieve any goal. With several thought-provoking tools and tried and true examples, Zach takes you on a journey of visualization, self-realization, and strategy you need to reach the top of your self-discipline tree and bask in the goals you've always dreamt of while having some fun along the way. I love the last part there. Yeah. Um, so how did this come together and how were you able to, to put this content together? Um, because you've had some experience, um, but you're still a young professional and, and you're learning lessons as you go. So who, whose brain did you have to pick to, <laughs> to take your knowledge along with some, some of maybe your mentors and, and other professionals to come out with, with this amazing book? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, this goes back to what we're talking about with mentorship, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, so obviously, you know, last year, you know, with the whole, you know, COVID-19 thing, it, it hit us all pretty hard, right? It, it was a good time, you know, if you used it right for self-realization and just kind of, you know, analyzing where you are, where you want to be and, um, you know, and, and whether or not I was actually working towards what I wanted to, where I wanted to go. Right. And, um, you know, in, in some areas of my life, I, I was doing that. And then I found in other areas of my life, um, mainly uh, my, my day to day tasks and, and what I was prioritizing were not, you know, um, especially in, in my situation where during the pandemic, we, we had our first son, right? I mean, you know, you know, you have, you have kids, so you, uh, you know how much that can really like turn your world around. Um, and uh, so I was, I was realizing, you know, with, with this content writing gig, I mean, you get paid by the article, right? You know, you don't just clock in at nine o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning and kind of get to scroll Facebook at times and get paid for it. You know, you're, you got to dish out these, these articles. And uh, if you don't, you don't get paid. So 
not an ideal uh, job for someone transitioning into being a first time parent and everything that entails, you know, those late nights and um, just everything. Um, so that's around the time that I realized, you know, I really need to hunker down on my self-discipline. You know, what am I doing that, that needs to be improved? What am I, what am I doing well that I need to uh, replicate, you know, and, and how do those two kind of coexist? So um, I, uh, I basically set out, set out on a journey to use a cliche term if I can. Um, and I, I ran into this guy um, named Jonathan Milligan, who has a podcast and he kind of, you know, it was always a, a goal of mine to write a book. I just, you know, I, like everybody else assumed, you know, I have to be at, uh, you know, a CEO level or, or something before people are going to listen to me. And, you know, he, you know, in one of his episodes, he really encouraged me. He said, well, he wasn't speaking directly to me, but his, all his listeners, um, he really encouraged his listeners. Like, you know, if you have something you're passionate about in a book, you know, why wait until tomorrow to, to do it? You know, you can, there are a lot of ways that you can get the information you need to lead people in the right direction. You know, you can use your past failures. You can, uh, which I do a lot in my book, um, which was very humbling. Um, you know, you can, you can pick the brain of some of your, you know, just people in, in your network that you think replicate whatever your topic is really well, you know, so long, long story short, um, I just created like a word document. I called it my self-discipline survey. It was just a bunch of different questions to ask people like, you know, you know, uh, how do you organize your long-term and short-term goals? Um, you know, how do you, uh, what, what are some things that you need to cleanse out of your life? You know, I had a list of, uh, different elements of self-discipline and I asked them to kind of prioritize or organize them in the way that they prioritize them, just little things like that. And, um, I, uh, I sent this, I sent that out to everybody in my network that I thought really represented like good, strong self-discipline, not only in their careers, right. But but also like prioritize good work-life balance. And, you know, they were, they prioritize exercise and nutrition and, and all those things, you know? Um, so I sent a hundred of those out. I sent, I sent those out to a hundred different people in my network and ended up getting 50 of them, 50 of them back. Um, which as, as you know, in, in sales, you know, 50% conversion is, uh, not something you get too often. So you, you gotta pat yourself on the back. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I just, I just used, I went through all those surveys and um, just read what they had to say and really, you know, started to piece together a lot of uh, key traits that all of them had. Um, for example, um, with the question of what's one thing you need to cleanse from your life, um, everybody but one said they needed to uh, cut social media from their life, you know, and I think that's something we all realize, but, you know, what are we doing to take action towards that. And that was my challenge with the book. You know, we, we realize the weaknesses we have, but how can we actually implement those in my life, in your life? Um, so, you know, I, I spent a couple more months just kind of using myself as a guinea pig, you know, that you going back to that social media example, how can I take back control of my social media? What other time wasting apps are on my phone that I need to delete? Um, spoiler alert, it was a uh, Bleacher Report, if you know what that is, it's a sports news app. Yeah, uh, that took way too much, too much of my time. Um, but yeah, so that was, you know, once once I had all the information from those those people that were nice enough to fill out the survey, I uh, just created the framework of my book and 
all that was left to do after that was just write the thing. You know, I find it interesting. I think you're the the second, and I don't mean this word in a bad way, but generationally, you're our second millennial we've had on the podcast who's talked about cutting out social media. Yep. And people hear the word millennial, and they, that's immediately what they think. Ah, oh, they're just kind of stuck to their phones. But yeah. I yeah. do believe, you know, to your point in the book, talking about self-discipline, I do believe that people understand, and, and younger generations understand, that it can be a time waster. Um, yeah. you know, useful, you, you have an Instagram page that, that you use and you can use that to promote a lot of the stuff that you're doing. But at the same time, you're right, it can be a time waster and taking you away from, from other things that can get you a little bit closer to your goal. Um, and one of, the, one of the things I think your book talks about, and you mentioned that you can speak on, you know, our, our goals, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how yeah. do you know where you're going if, if you haven't actually, you know, um, set a goal on, on where it is you that, that you want to be. So how can you establish that clear vision, especially as, as I'm meeting right now with, with freshmen during advising week um, yeah. as this thing airs, you know, we're talking about wanting to work in sport. But what do you want to do? I don't know. Totally acceptable at 18 years old, right? Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. And you understand that, you know, um, so how can they establish that clear vision through finding that passion of, of working in sport or, or doing anything else? Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in the position of a, of a student or a student athlete, you know, when they're, when they're looking to establish vision, you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing is just, you know, educating yourself on what's out there, you know, especially with your career and stuff, you know, again, it should be encouraging to them that, um, you know, if they're, if they're the 18 year old that doesn't know what they want to do in sports, I was that way, you know? Um, now I do wish that I had just educated myself a little more on what was out there before I actually ended up, you know, come time for me to graduate a few months in a few months. And that was around the time that I started prioritizing it. Right. Um, but just, just learning more. And this goes back to the networking thing as well. If you take time to connect, I mean, people in the sports industry are so happy to connect with aspiring sports professionals. You know, if you just take the time to connect with anyone, you know, if you build a LinkedIn profile and, and start reaching out to people that are in positions you're interested in, whether that be sports marketing, you know, um, becoming a, a sports agent. I mean, there are a million things you can do in the sports industry. Um, so just, you know, and there are uh, tons of articles out there kind of listing what what's in the sports industry or any industry for that matter. Um, and, and really learning as much as you can about a single or, you know, whatever position you're interested in, what is, what are the job duties entail? What kind of education do you need? You know, cause if your education requires an MBA, you'd like to know that before, you know, you graduate in four years and you're going to have to sign yourself up for what, two, three more years of school. Yep. Um, so just, learning as, as much as you can, and then just taking action on it. You know, um, when you're envisioning your goals, you know, there's, I think we've all, we're all kind of familiar with the smart goal, um, you know, uh, outline, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-based. Those are the ones I use. I know that, you know, you can kind of mix in words. Um, but that is such a good way. And I, I, I use it in my book. Um, that is such a good way to set any long-term or short-term goal because it, it makes those goals more tangible. You know, when you, it, the time-based part of it alone, you know, when you realize 
in four years, I'm going to graduate or however long it is, you know, two years, three years, um, I'm going to graduate. That's around the time that I need to have, you know, this, this sports career of mine kind of put into motion, you know, well, what does that, what does that imply? Well, you know, you could get, you could put yourself ahead of, um, millions of other applicants by just getting an internship in, in sports, you know, it could be the, the minor league baseball team in your hometown. You know, it could be, you know, just managing the, your former high school baseball teams, equipment, whatever it is, people are just, you know, employers are just looking for experience. So um, I know there's a long winded answer and I apologize for that, but, you know, just establishing that vision by kind of educating yourself and then writing out some smart goals and, and there, you know, the smart goals thing, you can either read my book on it um, uh, or you can, uh, there are a ton of articles out there that explain what that is and, and how you can establish them. So that's, that's what I would kind of encourage students to, to do to start establishing some vision and build, building some long-term goals. You know, another thing that you talk about is finding healthy competition and, right. and well-being as you pursue your goals. And, and I really like this as we talk about sport, and, and this is going to hit home for you, but talking with one of my colleagues a few months ago from the Atlanta Hawks, and they had an inside sales job open. Um, he said within one week, they had 800 applications. And so people might see that like, oh, great, you know, hey, I'm going to be working for the Hawks and it's basketball, it's the NBA, I'm hanging out with Trey Young and all this stuff um, <laughs> and not know what inside sales is and how much yeah. it actually pays. Um, and, and it's something that I try to uh, get through to our students as well. So you're going in like, you know, in your position with the Arizona Coyotes and there's mm -hmm. a lot of these um, kind of ticket sales, kind of consumer experience positions with teams all over the place where you're getting in and you're working in pro sport, but you know, you might be making $26,000 a year, but yeah. it's extraordinarily competitive to work in this yeah. field because it's cool. Everybody wants to work in sport. And I don't know, I think it's a little bit more unique than a lot of under other industries, maybe not completely, but certainly you've got to be competitive to work in this field. So, so talk about that. How do you find that healthy competition and, and well-being as students are pursuing their goals? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, so the competition, I mean, it's, it's not something that's going to be unfamiliar to you. You know, if you're a student athlete, you've already got that, that mindset. So it's going to be it's such an easy transition into your professional career. Um, you may, you made a great point. I mean, there, there are 800, 900, even thousands of applicants, you know, for some of these sports jobs. And, um, you know, how do you, first of all, how do you separate yourself from that? But once you get the job, you know, what is, what is that really going to entail? You know, um, it sounds like a luxurious life. Like you, like you mentioned, you know, people think they're going to work for the Hawks and start hanging out with Trey young or go to the Lakers and hang out with LeBron, you know, it's probably not going to happen. So, um, you know, it's, it's about looking at the job itself and what that entails. I'll give you a perfect example. When I, when I went with, um, you know, when I moved to the coyotes in that position, um, there were four other guys. No, I'm sorry. There were three other guys that, that joined at the same time. The sales, the inside sales representative staff itself, which was the part-time, there were 12 people there when I got there. And then in the sales den, which is what they called it as a whole, um, you know, cause coyotes den, um, in the sales den as a whole, I think there were, there were at least 30, if not 40 sales reps in the sales den. Um, so maybe it was 
20, but you know, you, you get my point, you know, there mm-hmm. were, there were so many people to compete with, you know, some of these people you're going to come in and they're, they're going to have, you know, they will have been there for two, three years and have an established book of business. You know, you're going to come in with other people. They're not, they're probably, the, the team's probably not, not just hiring you. There's going to be three, four five, if not more people coming in with, with you at the same time. So how do you separate yourself? You know, well, you need the, the healthy competition aspect of it where, you know, yes, these people are gunning for the same full-time job that you are, but that doesn't mean that you have to be um, hostile. You know, I mean, it, trust me, if, if you look at it from a bad com- competition standpoint where you're willing to cut corners and you're willing to, to you know, uh, go about it the wrong way, you're not going to last long. I saw, so many people fall like flies at, at the coyotes and, and other jobs I've had just because, you know, they sabotage the way they went about their business to try and get one more sale than the other guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And managers aren't stupid. Like they, they know what that looks like. So uh, healthy competition is just, um, and, and again, it goes back to, you know, building, being intentional about the relationships you build with your coworkers and your managers, you know, if, if you are intentional about um, creating a positive atmosphere and always coming into work with, you know, a smile on your face and, and get, being excited to come in and, and actually work on sales, not just have, you know, the, the Coyotes logo next to your name on a business card or, you know, uh, wearing a, a, a polo with an Atlanta Hawks logo on it when, you know, there's a game going on, you know, all that stuff is, is really attractive, but that's not most of the job. You know, most of the job is you standing behind a desk with, you know, making cold calls to people you've never talked to before and setting meetings and stuff. It's a sales job. And, uh, you know, so uh, just like any other sales job, I mean, there's going to be competition. There's going to be people that want to be at the top spot like you do, you know, so generating a positive atmosphere is, is so crucial because that's going to mean more to your manager than, you know, how many sales you make. And by the way, if you just keep a positive, um, a positive mindset, you know, that's going to help you when you're talking to, you know, when you're cold calling, um, when you're attaching, uh, your name to, you know, whatever sports team it is that you're working for, you know, the healthy competition, it, it breeds success for everybody that you're around. And, and I would encourage this too. Um, you know, when you get that first job, you know, it's, it's not just about the first job. You know, my, my story is a, is a perfect example of that. You know, I was competing in that inside sales rep role with the coyotes for a full-time spot with the coyotes. Right. Um, that didn't end up happening, but was I a failure for that? Of course not. You know, I still, um, like I said, you know, the, the mentor, uh, at the Coyotes, he knew about my work ethic. He knew about, you know, how I went about my business and, uh, you know, how important it was to me to be, be a good salesman, not just, you know, work for a professional sports team. Um, and that helped me get, you know, uh, another job when I applied for the Buccaneers, you know, um, he was able to speak on my behalf because he saw how hard I worked and how positive I was, you know, and, and how, um, I was able to use like healthy competition to kind of uh, propel not, not just myself, but other people around me. Um, so yeah, that, to answer your question. 
And, and you know, along with competition, we all want to win 100% of the time. It's just yeah. not realistic. And we're going to right. hit failure. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of made a, a joke earlier. You, you sent out 100 um, surveys. You got 50 back. You know, in sales, that puts you in the Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, yeah. Inside sales position, you make 100 calls a day. You're thrilled if you talk with 10 people. Right. Um, so how do you persevere through failure because as you say, it's, it's not when, but if it, or, or I'm sorry, it's not if, but it's when it happens, you know, how do you continue to push through that? Yeah, that's what I say all the time. I mentioned it several times in the book, you know, um, it's all about having the mindset of, you know, failure is going to happen. I'm going to fail. And that's not just sale. That's anything, you know, if you're a marketer and, and you spend, you know, hours on an advertising campaign and it doesn't convert, you know, that that's a failure, you know, you're not going to be a hundred percent on, on every project that you do. Um, you know, so how are you going to, you know, overcome that adversity? Well, you know, for me, um, I always found that action was the best way to get back on the horse, you know, when, cause you know, if you're not acting on, on your goals and after failure, you're just gonna, you're going to sulk You're you know, the self doubt starts to creep in, you know, um, everybody starts to, you know, you feel like everybody starts to question you and, and, you know, whether you're supposed to be there or not, you know, which none of that is true. No one's, you know, they're worried about themselves. They don't, you know, they're not concerning themselves with your failure. Um, they have failures of their own they can worry about, but um, yeah, it's, it's just having the right mindset, you know, um, knowing that it's going to happen, you know, especially in a sales role. I mean, I'm so grateful for the sales career I had because that taught me how to overcome. You have to overcome it you know, failure. It's going to happen every day. Um, so it's, it's all about action though, you know, just, you know, for the, to use the sales as an example, you know, when you have a guy, you know, cussing you out because he's, he's tired of, you know, the quarterback of your team and, you know, <laughs> tired of the losing record, you know, you'll hear it all. Um, you know, you have to get back on the phone and call someone else, but, you can't expect the next person to cuss you out because that'll put you in a terrible mood, you know? So, um, because, but when you take that action and you get back on a phone call and, you know, like you just pointed out, it may be 10 or 20 phone calls before you get in touch with someone else. But once you do, and you have a meaningful conversation with them, that's when you realize, okay, you know, the failure wasn't all on me or, um, but at the same time, you know, learning from that failure, you know, what did I do to, to bring up the losing record, you know, um, what leads did I call that, you know, uh, that this guy came from, if this guy was a single game buyer, you know, maybe that lead list is, uh, going to breed some of the same results. So maybe you start to work more on, uh, you know, focus more on like B2B sales, which business to business, for those of you that don't know what that, you know, stands for. Um, it's all about just, uh, creating opportunity through action. That, that would be my answer. So Zach, if people wanted to learn more about the book or learn more about you or follow you, where can they find you? Yeah. So uh, you mentioned my website earlier with my blog on it, ZachMatthewsWriting.com. Um, my last name only has one T in it. So I like to uh, warn people of that ahead, ahead of time. Z-A-C-H-M-A-T-H-E-W-S writing.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, which is kind of where I point more, most people. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to be a, an, an asset for anybody that wants to, uh, you know, work in the sports industry or is thinking about, you know, even considering your role in, in sports, um, not just sales, but anywhere, you know, I have con connections all over, um, the country. So 
that is uh, just look for Zach Matthews at LinkedIn, Z-A-C-H-M-A-T-H-E-W-S. Um, I'm sure we have a connection or two uh, from the from the trying connections alone. Um, yeah, and then uh, the the book can be found on Amazon. It's it's climbing your self discipline tree, um, or on my website there's a buy now button that they can they can purchase it through there. And the book's already got almost a, about a dozen five star reviews, and and I know more coming on the way. Zach, thank thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, thank you. Go Thunder. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.